the unicameral update. Published by the Unicameral Information Office under the direction of the Clerk of the Legislature. Title, Voter ID Implementation Bill Advanced After Cloture Vote Lawmakers gave first-round approval May 22 to a proposal that would implement the provisions of an initiative petition, approved by voters last year establishing a photo ID requirement to vote in Nebraska. LB 514, introduced by Gordon Senator Tom Brewer, was the Government, Military and Veterans Affairs Committee's annual election update and cleanup bill. As introduced, the measure would make a number of technical changes, including updating rules regarding early voting ballot delivery and recall elections. Brewer, chairperson of the committee, brought an amendment to replace the bill with a proposal to implement voter ID prior to the 2024 election. Brewer said he and the committee had worked since the start of the legislative session to reach an agreement with Dunbar Senator Julie Slama, who headed up the successful voter initiative effort and introduced her own bill outlining a voter ID framework, but those discussions failed to yield a compromise. The result was a situation that no one wanted, he said, with two competing proposals, one from Slama and one from the committee. Brewer urged lawmakers to approve the committee's proposal in the few remaining days of the 2023 session or face the possibility of a special session this summer. It's not a perfect bill, but it's a better bill and it's what we have to do to fulfill our obligation to the people of Nebraska, Brewer said. And whether we like it or not, we're out of time. Slama objected to the Brewer Amendment on both procedural and substantive grounds, noting that key individuals who backed the initiative were not included in implementation negotiations. Nebraska Secretary of State Robert Evnen was heavily involved in that process, Slama said, and she repeatedly referred to the Brewer Amendment as the Evnen Amendment. She also argued that groups and individuals historically opposed to voter ID now backed Brewer's Amendment, which she said should lead lawmakers to question the proposal. The people who opposed voter ID are now in control of voter ID, Slama said. Among other provisions, Brewer's amendment lays out the requirements for a valid form of photographic identification, which would include a document issued by the state of Nebraska, an agency or a political subdivision of the state, the U.S. military, a Nebraska post-secondary educational institution or a recognized Native American tribe or band, a hospital, assisted living facility nursing home or other skilled care facility record that includes a photo or digital image also would qualify. The Secretary of State's office would be required to provide a website dedicated to voter ID requirements and procedures, and implement a public awareness campaign. No fee would be charged to Nebraska residents for an original, renewal or duplicate state ID card for voting purposes. The amendment would allow an individual without a photo ID to vote provisionally at the polls if they have a reasonable impediment to voting, including disability or illness or lack of a birth certificate or other required documents, or a religious objection to being photographed. Mail-in ballots would be required to include a copy of the voter's photo ID or their Nebraska driver's license number or state ID card number. The Secretary of State's office would be charged with matching that number to photo ID information available in the state's election database. Ballots that do not meet these requirements could be cured through the election commissioner or county clerk's office by providing missing information by the Tuesday following the election. Brewer said the proposal would implement the will of the people while not infringing on the rights of eligible Nebraska voters. Lincoln Senator Danielle Conrad, a member of the committee, agreed. 
She said the proposal threads the needle of implementing voter ID in a way that ensures access to the ballot and can be implemented by election officials without chaos and confusion. Conrad said 92 of the state's 93 election officials signed letters in support of the proposal. I vehemently and firmly disagree with voter ID, she said. However, I equally find as sacrosanct our duty to facilitate and carry out the will of the people even when we disagree with it. A counter-amendment offered by Slama also would have allowed student and other photo IDs, but would have required the issuers of those IDs to opt into a system to verify the citizenship of anyone using them, for voting purposes. Slama said the provision would be more thorough than cross-checking signatures with the state's existing election database, via motor voter information under Brewer's proposal. Her amendment would require that a ballot witness, who is a Nebraska resident or notary public, sign the envelope indicating that they had checked the voter's ID. It also would require the Secretary of State's office to use information from any ID-issuing agency to verify the citizenship of every registered voter prior to January 1, 2024. Under the SLAMA Amendment, the Secretary of State's office would be authorized to investigate voters suspected of not being citizens. In addition, after each election, the state attorney general would conduct an audit of witness signatures of a meaningful sample of mail-in envelopes to confirm the ballot witness credentials. Slama said requiring a voter to provide a driver's license number on their mail-in ballot was insufficient to accomplish the intent of the initiative, which was to require Nebraskans to present a photo ID when voting. This is voter ID without voter ID, she said. Conrad opposed the Slama Amendment saying citizenship verification was not part of the initiative petition drive nor the resulting language in the Nebraska Constitution. She said Slama's proposal likely would result in costly, lengthy legal battles for the state. After Slama's amendment failed on a vote of 8 to 22, she offered a series of unsuccessful motions and amendments to extend debate on the underlying bill. After eight hours of discussion, Brewer offered a motion to invoke cloture, adopted 44-2, which ends debate and forces a vote on the bill and any pending amendments. Following the successful cloture motion, lawmakers voted 44-1 to adopt a committee amendment that added provisions of two election cleanup bills. LB 313, introduced by Carney Senator John Lowe, would update the procedure for filling federal congressional vacancies. LB 269, introduced by Hastings Senator Steve Halloran, would return redistricting procedure deadlines to their state prior to an adjustment, made in 2021 to accommodate the late delivery of federal census data to the states. Senators then voted 43-1 to to advance LB 514 to select file. Title, Omnibus Criminal Justice Reform Bill Advanced to Final Round After Cloture a bill that would enact a variety of criminal justice programs and other reforms was amended and advanced from select file May 24 following a successful cloture vote. LB 50, originally introduced by former Lincoln Senator Suzanne Geist, would create several programs to improve the state's criminal justice system, including a program to expand problem-solving courts, a pilot program to establish parole violation residential housing and creation of a probationer incentive program. As amended on general file, the bill also includes provisions of nearly a dozen additional measures, including Omaha Senator Justin Wayne's LB 352 related to habitual criminal enhancement and parole eligibility. 
The provisions, which were the focus of contentious general file debate, would create a habitual criminal enhancement of a three-year mandatory minimum for a felony charge that does not include offenses relating to violence, firearms, or sex crimes and would change parole eligibility. The provisions would allow an offender to be eligible for parole consideration two years before mandatory discharge on a maximum sentence up to 12 years. Three years before mandatory discharge on a maximum sentence up to 16 years. Four years before mandatory discharge on a maximum sentence up to 20 years and five years before mandatory discharge on a maximum sentence of more than 20 years. Wayne offered an amendment during select file debate that he called a good-faith compromise to address opponents' concerns and help curb Nebraska's prison overcrowding emergency. The amendment would allow an offender who is serving a maximum sentence of 20 years to be parole-eligible at least two years prior to their mandatory discharge date and would allow an offender who is serving a sentence over 20 years to be parole-eligible after having served 80% of the term prior to their mandatory discharge date. Under the amendment, the mandatory minimum term for a habitual offender would be three years and the maximum term would be no more than the maximum term given or 20 years, whichever is greater. For qualified offenders, individuals who have committed offenses related to firearms, violence, or sex crimes would be excluded from those provisions. The amendment also would require that two criminal defense attorneys with at least 10 years' experience be appointed by the governor to the Nebraska Sentencing Reform Task Force. Wayne said the proposal had the support of the attorney general, the governor's office, and police unions. The amendment, he said, would give inmates a larger window in which to become parole eligible, which would address concerns over jamming out, a term used to describe when an offender exhausts their sentence without the opportunity for parole or supervision. One year doesn't make a difference on a 20-year sentence, but one year being supervised makes a difference, Wayne said. We have to supervise people on the back end. Lincoln Senator Danielle Conrad spoke in support of the bill and the amendment, saying the changes would help to address Nebraska's prison overcrowding crisis. Research shows that providing more reentry support reduces the likelihood that offenders will commit new crimes, she said, which would keep Nebraskans safer. Over 90% of offenders are going to return to our communities, Conrad said. When they return to our communities, they need to have hope. They need to have help. Bellevue Senator Rick Holdcroft also spoke in support of the amendment and the underlying bill. Becoming parole eligible does not mean that an inmate automatically will be paroled, he said, and changing eligibility from 85% of a maximum sentence to 80% would not be substantial. Several senators raised concern that the amendment was opposed by the County Attorneys Association. Thurston Senator Joni Albright spoke in opposition to the parole eligibility provision in the Wayne Amendment, calling it a substantial departure from the state's current sentencing requirements. This has the effect of making offenders parole eligible way before the mandatory discharge date and is essentially a reduction in their sentence, Albright said. These provisions would be retroactive and apply to offenders currently behind bars and would be disruptive to the victims who have settled with the expectation about the sentences and parole eligibility. The Wayne Amendment was adopted 34 to 6. 
Also during select file debate, Hastings Senator Steve Halloran offered a motion to replace a floor amendment with provisions of Glenville Senator Dave Merman's LB 371, intended to prohibit minors under age 19 from attending drag shows in Nebraska. Halloran said the state has a responsibility to protect minors from drag shows that he said often include sexually inappropriate behavior. The motion failed on a vote of 6 to 32. Sumner Senator Teresa Ibaugh also offered a select file amendment, adopted 37 to 6, that includes provisions of four additional bills. LB 14, introduced by Lincoln Senator George Dungan, which would expand eligibility for the Young Adult Bridge to Independence Program. LB 220, introduced by Ibaugh, which would require the Board of Pardons to notify a victim whose name appears in the file of a convicted person of any pardon or commutation at least 30 days prior to those proceedings and within 10 days of the granting of a pardon or commutation. LB 265, introduced by Gordon Senator Tom Brewer, which would require the Nebraska Department of Correctional Services to provide stab-resistant protective vests to each corrections officer, and LB 521, introduced by Fremont Senator Lynn Walls, which would include school personnel and immunity provisions for administering naloxone to a person who is experiencing an opioid-related overdose. After four hours of debate, Wayne offered a motion to invoke cloture, adopted 35 to 9, which ends debate and forces a vote on the bill and any pending amendments. Following the successful cloture motion, lawmakers voted 30 to 7 to advance LB 50 to the final round of debate. Committee Appropriations Title Line Item Vetoes Delivered Governor Jim Pillen sent a message to lawmakers May 24 announcing millions in line-item vetoes to a variety of programs and proposals contained in two components of the state budget package passed last week. The governor said the cuts are meant to ensure that funds are available for transformative tax relief while still providing quality services to the state's residents. We must continue to fight against excessive governmental spending to deliver dollars back into the pockets of Nebraskans, Pillen said. Among the governor's cuts to LB 814, the mainline budget bill, were $15.3 million in general fund appropriations for Medicaid reimbursement rates and $6 million for child welfare provider rate increases. Pillen said the state's hospitals have seen record profits in recent years and that increasing reimbursement rates would not address systemic workforce shortages. Other general fund appropriations vetoed were $107,250 to the Nebraska Commission for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing for a full-time sign language interpreter. $470,000 to the Nebraska State Historical Society. $500,000 to expand the state's court-appointed special advocate program. $510,700 to the Attorney General's Office for Interstate Water Litigation and a Trial Preparation Coordinator position. $848,700 for a new state auditor position and salary increases. $1.8 million for the expansion of home visitation care. $1 million for a facility to house pregnant and parenting homeless youth. $1.9 million in funding to the state Supreme Court. $2.2 million for legislative branch salary increases and $7 million to the State Department of Environment and Energy for grants to support a rural drinking water project in Cedar and Knox counties.
Pillen also vetoed $40 million in cash fund transfers from LB818 to the Rural Workforce Housing Investment Fund and the Middle Income Housing Investment Fund. The state has invested more than $200 million in affordable housing over the last three years, he said, which developers are leveraging to build up the state's affordable housing supply. Other cash transfers vetoed were $20 million from the Shovel-Ready Capital Recovery and Investment Act $10 million to the Site and Building Development Fund for a ground-based nuclear deterrence project near Kimball and $10 million from the Nebraska Healthcare Cash Fund for a pilot program on PTSD related to gun violence. Pillen said his vetoes would save $94.2 million in general funds, $10 million from the Healthcare Cash Fund and $87 million from the state's cash reserve fund over the next four years. We must cut government spending, we must cut government red tape, and we must lead the charge in investing in our next generation, Pillen said. The Appropriations Committee must report on the fiscal impact of the vetoes within one day and may offer a motion to override any or all of them. Thirty votes are required to override a veto. Committee, Business and Labor Title, Business and Labor Package Passes A bill containing a variety of business and labor measures passed the final round of debate May 24. LB191, as originally introduced by Hastings Senator Steve Halloran, would have made certain workers' compensation injury reports confidential for 60 days from the date of filing. The bill was gutted by a Business and Labor Committee amendment on general file, in order to replace it with provisions of a variety of measures heard by the committee, including LB249. Sponsored by Albion Senator Tom Breezy, the provisions add the extension of sewer or water service as an eligible activity under the Rural Workforce Housing Investment Act. Also included are provisions of LB 267, sponsored by Gordon Senator Tom Brewer, which prioritize resources such as personal protective equipment, vaccines and medical treatment for critical infrastructure utility workers during a civil defense emergency. LB191 passed 46 to 0 and takes effect immediately. Committee Education Title Dyslexia Reporting Bill Amended to Include Teacher Mobility Compact A bill on final reading that would require school districts to collect data on students with dyslexia was amended to include a proposal intended to enhance teacher mobility after lawmakers voted to return it to select file May 24. LB 298, introduced by Senator Luann Linehan of Elkhorn, requires school districts to provide certain information on dyslexia to the State Department of Education. As amended, it also would require Nebraska school districts to adopt a written dress code and grooming policy that would be implemented at the start of the 2025-26 school year. Senators voted to return the bill to select file to consider an amendment offered by Bellevue Senator Carol Blood to add provisions of her LB 413. Under Blood's proposal, Nebraska would adopt the Interstate Teacher Mobility Compact, which she said is intended to streamline the licensure process for teachers, particularly military spouses, when moving between member states. The State Board of Education would create the rules for providing certification after 10 states agree to participate and the compact takes effect. After adopting Blood's amendment on a vote of 37 to 2, Senators advanced LB 298 to final reading by voice vote. Title, Governor's Education Funding Proposal Passes Senators approved a bill May 25 that directs approximately $300 million per year in additional state funding 
to K-12 through public schools. Under LB 583, introduced by Bellevue Senator Rita Sanders at the request of Governor Jim Pillen, the state will pay public school districts $1,500 in foundation aid per student, beginning with school fiscal year 2023-24. The bill also requires the State Department of Education to reimburse each school district 80% of the total allowable excess costs for all special education programs and support services in the following school year. Under the bill's provisions, each school district must submit an annual report to the department that includes the amount by which it reduced its property tax request for the school fiscal year, if any, as well as other information required by the department. LB 583 passed on a vote of 44 to 0 and takes effect immediately. Committee, Executive Board. Title, Legislative Video Archive Approved. A proposal intended to expand access to video of legislative proceedings was given final approval May 24. Nebraska Public Media currently broadcasts and livestreams video coverage of legislative public committee hearings and floor debate. LB 254, sponsored by Gordon Senator Tom Brewer, requires the executive board to develop and maintain a publicly accessible digital internet archive of that coverage beginning with the 2025 legislative session or as soon as live. Closed-caption video coverage of the legislature is available. Video will be closed-captioned in English and Spanish and indexed by bill number or date. LB 254 passed on a 48-0 vote and takes effect immediately. Committee, Health and Human Services Title, Health Services Package Amended, Return to Final Reading an omnibus health services proposal on final reading was amended to include maternal and child health protections after lawmakers voted to return it to select file May 24. LB 227, as introduced by Blair Senator Ben Hansen, would require the State Department of Health and Human Services to provide Medicaid reimbursement to hospitals at 100% of the statewide average nursing per diem rate for Medicaid enrollees who meet certain criteria. The measure was amended during previous rounds of debate to include a number of proposals related to pharmacy practice, licensure and other health and human services issues. Senators voted to return the bill to select file to consider an amendment offered by Omaha Senator Tony Vargas, which includes the amended provisions of three other bills considered by the Health and Human Services Committee this session. Provisions of LB 570, introduced by Vargas, would create the Overdose Fatality Review Teams Act to design a regulatory framework for establishing county-level multidisciplinary teams to collect data related to opioid overdose deaths in Nebraska. The State Department of Health and Human Services would develop regulations to carry out the act and teams would begin providing annual de-identified data on local incidents, causes and contributing factors of opioid deaths by June 1, 2024. LB 75, also introduced by Vargas, would grant the state's Child and Maternal Death Review Team the authority to conduct reviews of the rates, trends and causes of severe maternal morbidity in the state. Also included are the amended provisions of Lincoln Senator Anna Wishart's LB 419, which would expand Medicaid coverage for postpartum women from 60 days to at least six months. Hansen, chairperson of the Health and Human Services Committee, spoke in support of the amendment. One of the underlying things I hear from my constituents is, what are we doing to take care of those who are having babies in the state of Nebraska, Hansen said. I think this is a big step forward to address that concern.
Senators adopted the amendment 41-0 and advanced LB-227 to final reading on a voice vote. Committee, Judiciary Title, Public Guardianship Bill Expanded, Advanced A bill intended to create public guardianships to assist individuals in applying for benefits was amended to include a variety of judicial matters and advanced from general file May 25. LB 157, introduced by Bennington Senator Wendy DeBoer, would create temporary guardianships to assist an individual who is applying for private or public benefits. The bill would allow the temporary guardian to access personal and financial records necessary to apply for those benefits. DeBoer said patients sometimes wait hundreds of days for help with signing the papers needed to get them moved out of the hospital. These are people who are in hospital beds who are waiting to get out and the only reason they cannot is because they do not have legal authorization to do so because they don't have a guardian, DeBoer said. A Judiciary Committee amendment, adopted 33-0, narrowed the provisions to apply only to a county containing a metropolitan-class city. Omaha currently is the state's only metropolitan-class city. The amendment also added provisions of the following bills. LB 82, introduced by DeBoer, which would update reporting requirements from the director of the state's Department of Correctional Services. LB 315, introduced by Omaha Senator John Fredrickson, which would prohibit providers of medical or other services related to examination of injuries arising from sexual assault, domestic assault or trafficking from referring victims to collection agencies or taking other averse action for failure to pay the debt. LB 330, introduced by DeBoer, which would allow a successor to a decedent to endorse a check, payable to the decedent or the decedent's estate, for a debt owed to the decedent. LB 436, introduced by Lincoln Senator Carolyn Bossen which would update the State Uniform Controlled Substances Act to conform with federal law, and LB 757, introduced by DeBoer, which would extend the filing date for victims to apply for reimbursement from the Crime Victims Reparations Fund. Bellevue Senator Rick Holdcroft offered an amendment to the committee amendment, adopted 27-0, which would include provisions of his LB 480 to add emergency medical service providers to the list of medical agencies that can file a lien on settlement awards received by injured parties. An amendment offered by Bellevue Senator Carol Blood, adopted 27-4, includes provisions of her LB 11, which would specify that domestic abuse protection orders may explicitly provide for sole possession of a household pet and restrict contact with such pets. Omaha Senator John Kavanaugh also offered an amendment, adopted 31-1, which would include provisions of his LB 183 to allow the district court to waive fees related to a name change. Finally, Wayne offered an amendment, adopted 33-0, to include provisions of his LB 240 that would prohibit a juvenile court from modifying the terms of a disposition order, unless the juvenile has violated a previous order or all parties agree and the juvenile has consulted with or waived counsel. Following adoption of the amendments, lawmakers advanced LB 157 to select file 34-0. Committee, Natural Resources Title, Hydrogen Hub Funding, Design Build Authorization Approved Lawmakers approved a bill May 23 intended to support Nebraska's efforts to be selected as a regional clean hydrogen hub by the U.S. Department of Energy. 
LB 565, introduced by Brainerd Senator Bruce Bostelman, states legislative intent to appropriate $500,000 over the next two fiscal years to the State Department of Economic Development for grants that will be used for engineering and modeling needed to apply for the H2 Hubs program, which is intended to accelerate the use of hydrogen as a clean energy source. Senators amended the bill on select file to add provisions of several other measures considered by the Natural Resources Committee this session, including LB 723, sponsored by Bostelman at the request of Governor Jim Pillen. The measure allows the State Department of Natural Resources to use public-private partnerships and design-build, progressive design-build and construction manager general contractor project methods when contracting for public surface water or groundwater-related infrastructure projects. LB 565 passed on a vote of 41 to 0 and takes effect immediately. Committee Revenue Title, Property Tax Relief Increased, School Revenue Growth Capped A bill that provides additional property tax relief to Nebraskans, while limiting increases in the amount of property taxes public school districts may collect received final approval from lawmakers, May 25. LB 243, introduced by Albion Senator Tom Breezy, gradually will increase the minimum amount of relief granted under the Property Tax Credit Act, from the current $275 million to $475 million by tax year, 2028. The following year, it will grow by the percentage increase in the total assessed value of all real property statewide over the prior year, plus an additional $75 million. The amount then will continue to grow by the percentage increase in statewide valuations. As amended, LB 243 contains provisions of several other bills considered by the Revenue Committee this session, including LB 589, sponsored by Breezy at the request of Governor Jim Pillen. The measure limits the amount by which a school district may increase its property tax request. The amount of taxes requested to be raised through its levy, from one year to the next by 3% with some exceptions based on a district's growth in student enrollment, the number of limited English proficiency students and the number of students in poverty. Under the bill's provisions, a district's property tax request may not exceed its property tax request authority, which the State Department of Education will calculate annually. A district may exceed its property tax request authority by an amount approved by a 60% majority of voters, at a special election. The bill also allows a school board to exceed a district's property tax request authority by 4 to 7 percent, depending on the number of students enrolled if at least 70 percent of its members approve. Among other provisions, LB 243 eliminates the 5 percent cap on the school district tax credit's allowable growth percentage under the Nebraska Property Tax Incentive Act. It also ends Nebraska's community college area levy after fiscal year 2023 to 24. Beginning the next year, the state will distribute funds to community colleges to offset the lost property tax revenue. The State Department of Revenue estimates that the bill will reduce state general fund revenue by $1.8 billion from fiscal year 2024 to 25 to FI 2030-31. LB 243 passed on a vote of 44 to 0 and takes effect immediately. Title, Revenue on the Bus Bill Trimmed, Advanced to Final Round a bill containing more than two dozen tax-related proposals advanced to final reading May 23 after senators amended it to reduce the fiscal impact on state revenue. 
LB-727, sponsored by Elkhorn Senator Luen Linehan, was amended on general file to include measures that would exempt baling wire and twine from state sales tax, impose a tax on electronic nicotine delivery systems and allow for the creation of special retail districts where transactions are subject to a reduced state sales tax rate, among others. The State Department of Revenue estimates that, as amended, the bill would reduce state general fund revenue by $32 million in fiscal year 2023-24, million in fiscal year 2024-25, and $53 million in fiscal year 2025-26. On select file, Linehan introduced an amendment, adopted 38-0, that she said is a negotiated resolution intended to fit the package into the state budget, which the legislature passed last week. Everybody had to give a little bit, she said. Among other changes, the amendment removed a provision that would have allowed Nebraska Educational Savings Plan trust accounts to be used for elementary or secondary school tuition. Linehan's amendment also would cap a proposed income tax credit for retail dealers that sell biodiesel at $1 million per year, rather than $5 million as originally proposed. Under another of the bill's provisions, $12 million in credits could be allocated each year under the Nebraska Job Creation and Main Street Revitalization Act. The amendment would reduce that amount to $2 million. Senator Mike Moser of Columbus said the amendment also would address another provision's potential conflict with the state constitution. LB-727 would authorize the State Highway Commission to issue bonds to accelerate completion of highway construction projects. Under the proposal, any bonds issued would be special obligations of the state payable only from the State Highway Capital Improvement Fund and any other funds specifically pledged by the commission. The State Highway Capital Improvement Fund currently is funded with state sales tax revenue, Moser said, but the state constitution requires highway bonds to be paid off using revenue that is closely related to highway use, such as motor vehicle fuel taxes and registration fees. Linehan's amendment would ensure that those revenue sources, and not sales taxes, are used to repay the bonds, he said. Finally, the amendment added provisions of LB 524, introduced by Omaha Senator John Fredrickson, but would not direct any funding to the proposal. The measure would allow grocery stores, restaurants, and agricultural producers to apply for a non-refundable state income tax credit equal to 50% of the value of food they donate to food banks, pantries, or rescues. The credit would be limited to $2,500 per year. After voting 39-0 to adopt a technical amendment by Senator Christy Armendariz of Omaha, lawmakers advanced LB 727 to final reading by voice vote. Title, Tax Credit Scholarship Bill Approved Nebraskans may receive a tax credit for contributions to organizations that grant scholarships to students to attend private school, under a measure passed by lawmakers May 24. Elkhorn Senator Luann Linehan introduced LB 753 at the request of Governor Jim Pillen. The measure allows individuals, pass-through entities, estates, trusts and corporations to claim a non-refundable income tax credit of up to 50% of their state income tax liability on contributions made to nonprofit organizations that grant scholarships to students to attend private school. Contributions from individuals, pass-through entities and corporations are capped at $100,000, and contributions from estates or trusts are limited to $1 million. 
only Nebraska residents are eligible for the scholarships, which may be used to pay tuition and fees at a qualifying privately operated elementary or secondary school. A scholarship granting organization must provide the State Department of Revenue with sufficient information to show that it will use a tiered system that prioritizes certain students. The department may grant $25 million in credits in 2024, 2025, and 2026. After that, if at least 90% of the credits in any given year are claimed, the annual limit will increase by 25%. Annual increases may continue until the total credit amount reaches $100 million. The department estimates that the full credit amount will be claimed in the first three years, and that LB 753 will reduce state general fund revenue by $31.3 million in fiscal year 2027-28. After two hours of debate on final reading, Linehan filed a motion to invoke cloture, which ends debate and forces a vote on the bill and any pending amendments. The motion succeeded on a vote of 33-11. to 11. 33 votes were needed. Senators then voted 33-11 to 11 to pass LB 753. Title, Income Tax Cuts Child Care Tax Credits Approved A proposal that will cut Nebraska's top individual and corporate income tax rates to 3.99% by tax year 2027 received final approval from lawmakers May 25. LB 754, introduced by Elkhorn Senator Luann Linehan at the request of Governor Jim Pillen, also incrementally will cut the rate on the third individual income tax bracket to 3.99% by the same year. As amended, the bill also exempts 100% of Nebraskan social security income from state income tax beginning in tax year 2024 rather than 2025 and allows federal retirees to exclude the amounts received as annuities under the Federal Employees Retirement System or the Civil Service Retirement System from their federal adjusted gross income. LB 754 also includes provisions of LB 318, introduced by Senator Elliot Bostar of Lincoln, which authorizes the State Department of Revenue to approve up to $15 million each year in refundable income tax credits intended to help parents and legal guardians pay for child care. The measure allows individuals, estates, trusts and corporations to apply for a non-refundable state income tax credit of up to $100,000 for contributions they make to eligible child care programs. The department may approve $2.5 million in credits under the program each year. Finally, LB 754 increases the amount of tax credits available for qualifying child care providers and employees under the School Readiness Tax Credit Act from $5 million to $7.5 million annually. The department estimates that the bill will reduce state general fund revenue by $3.3 billion from fiscal year 2023 to 24 to fiscal year 2028 to 29. LB 754 passed on a vote of 39 to 2 and takes effect immediately. Committee, Transportation and Telecommunications Title, Transportation Bill Amended to Include Repeal of State's Motorcycle Helmet Law A Transportation and Telecommunications Committee cleanup bill on final reading was amended to repeal the state's helmet law for riders age 21 and older after lawmakers voted to return it to select file May 24th. LB 138, originally introduced by former Senator Suzanne Geist and now sponsored by Lincoln Senator Carolyn Bossen, is an annual cleanup measure to align state transportation law with federal requirements. As amended during earlier rounds of debate, 
It includes provisions of Gordon Senator Tom Brewer's LB199 to create a new driving privilege card to serve as a license to operate a motor vehicle for individuals who are assigned parolee immigration status by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Senators voted to return the bill to select file to consider an amendment from Blair Senator Ben Hansen to include provisions of his LB91. The amendment would allow an individual aged 21 and older who has completed a certified motorcycle safety course to choose whether or not to wear a helmet, provided the rider uses protective eye equipment. Hansen said states surrounding Nebraska already have adopted similar measures, many with even lower age requirements, without negative consequences. The bill is more conservative in nature so that we can make sure we are doing our due diligence to protect riders as best we can, but also give them the freedom and liberty to choose to wear a helmet or not, Hansen said. Bennington Senator Wendy DeBoer spoke in favor of the amendment. Helmets save lives and riders should opt to wear them, she said, however individuals should be allowed to choose for themselves. The government should not be involved in these personal decisions, DeBoer said. North Platte Senator Mike Jacobson also spoke in favor of the proposal. The state loses out when riders traveling to the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota avoid Nebraska, he said, taking significant economic activity with them. Brainerd Senator Bruce Bostelman spoke in opposition to the motion to return the bill to select file. During committee hearings over the years, he said, there has been significant opposition from a variety of medical associations and health professionals from across the state. Data shows that the number of deaths and significant injuries have increased in states that removed helmet requirements, Bostelman said. Columbus Senator Mike Moser also spoke in opposition. The legislature should encourage people to wear helmets for their own safety by maintaining the legal requirement to do so, he said. Government tells us to wear seatbelts. Government tells us to obey the speed limits. They tell us to obey stop lights, Moser said. Government tells us what to do all the time. After voting 30-5 to 5 to adopt the Hansen Amendment, Senators advanced LB 138 to final reading by voice vote. Title, State Broadband Office Approved An omnibus telecommunications measure passed the final round of debate May 23. LB 683, as introduced by the Transportation and Telecommunications Committee, creates the Nebraska Broadband Office to administer and maintain broadband services in Nebraska. A director will be appointed by the governor and confirmed by the legislature to lead the office, which will operate administratively under the Nebraska Department of Transportation. Broadband services were under the purview of the Public Service Commission, a five-member elected body that regulates a variety of transportation and telecommunications industries in Nebraska. Among other provisions, LB 683 requires the new office to coordinate state broadband infrastructure deployment, operation and maintenance and transfers the creation and maintenance of the state broadband map from the PSC to the new Nebraska Broadband Office. The bill was amended to add provisions of several additional bills considered by the committee this session, including LB 63, introduced by Lincoln Senator Elliot Bostar. The measure prohibits a telecommunications company from using Nebraska Universal Service funds if the company is using or providing communications equipment or service that poses a threat to national security. LB 683 passed on a vote of 39-0 and takes effect immediately.